What's going on, everybody? We're gonna go. We're going live a little early today on Tell Me Something Good. Uh, happy to have everybody here. So psyched um, to have my dad on again today. Uh, he should be coming on here in about twenty minutes or so. I'm gonna send him the email, the invite right now. For those of you who missed part one and part two, I uh, would get on it. It's so good. Um. So good. And uh, yeah, but happy to be here tonight. Going to Huntsville to run my, what's going on, Andrea? Uh, I'm going to, to Huntsville tonight to run my hour of music. I'm pretty excited and uh, nervous at the same time. Um, I really have never done anything like this before. I kind of do like that shit, though. I want to bring... Um, one of you on screen with me right now. I'm messing with the audio and my headphones, but I kind of need one of you guys on here. So I'm going to go ahead and copy the uh, StreamYard link and uh, let's go, Chris Scott, and get you guys in here. Uh, just a lot of shit going on. Um, full hour music is what we're trying to do, Stephen. It is what we're trying to do, man. Do I get nervous stomach? I will tonight for sure, for sure, for sure. Um, I'm definitely going to have fun, Roxanne. You know, nervous might not be the right word, Victoria. Ner it's more like um, excited, you know, when I like to challenge myself and do shit that I've never done before, you know? And so it's more like that. It's more just, ooh, I got the best cardboard cutouts, Tristan. You see the president of Hollywood behind me. I've also got Lenny Kravitz and uh, Matthew McConaughey and Miley Cyrus and Al Pacino and Benedict Cumberbatch. I got a lot of people in here. So I am uh, teed up and ready to roll. Now, my dad is already here, so I might bring him on a little early. But first, I want to um, check out the sound in my headphones. So, Linda, I'm going to bring you on. And you're going to be my guinea pig, okay? Okay. So talk to me. Hi. Keep talking. Keep talking. Can you hear me? You at all. That's good to know. All right. That doesn't work. Let's try this one. Keep talking. How keep do you talking. Okay. Let's try this one. Hold on. Hold on. How about now? No. I don't know. But now, no. Okay. This one. This one. This one. This one. This one. Working no. yet? All right, Linda. Thanks. All right. No problem. That was great podcasting, everybody. I'm sure everyone listening really enjoyed that one. That is expert level podcasting right there for you. Um, so you're welcome to everybody who just had to hear me do a test, 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 test. Uh, you're welcome. Uh, yeah, but tonight driving into Huntsville, running this hour for the first time. Also, the person who I th I thought might be playing guitar with me at the special is now not. You can hear Debbie, right? Yeah, but I can't. Um, whoa, your dog fell out of a window at 45 miles an hour. That's crazy. Yeah, I don't know why I can't hear them. 
Um, but I don't know. We'll bring my dad on. If I can't hear him, I'll, I'll figure something out. I'll just take these off, I guess. Linda's the best. Um, yeah, I, I feel good, Tristan. I really do feel good. It's just, you know, when you do something you have never done before, um, in front of a room full of people, you know, sometimes you get the yips a little bit. I won't get the yips, but, um, and generally, and then I'm going to bring my dad on right for this. This is, I can honestly say this for me. So say I was going to do this show twice tonight. The first show would go really well. There's something about being put on the spot for the first time that I know that I would respond. The second show would be doo-doo stew. But the first show would be really good. So I'm hoping that's what's going to happen tonight. Um, you know what I mean? So, no, Tristan, I don't think that's true. My first time on stage, I felt like you do right now. No. Your first time on stage, you had no fucking idea what was going to happen. I got a pretty good idea what was going to happen. I know what I'm doing. You know what I mean? You didn't know shit. How do I know that? Because I didn't know shit either. So I promise you how you felt going on stage for the first time is not close to how I feel. I would not drive an hour and a half to do an hour's worth of shit I've never done before. Do you know what I mean? That first time. No way. Um, all right, guys. So listen. Um, I'm going to start with my dad a little early because I got to drive to Huntsville. Um, if you guys, Hey, Ray, Ray, if you guys, uh, caught the first two episodes here with my dad, um, they were pretty amazing. And my mom has joined in now. Um, and so we may fluctuate back a little, but, um, right now we're at happy birthday. It's not my birthday. Um, but happy birthday to whoever's birthday it is. Uh, but we, we're going to get up to basically the parts of my childhood that I might remember. But probably from moving to um, Amherst until uh, we left Amherst, I guess. Hey, from Canada. Uh, thanks, Noah. But um, we'll bring in my dad right now. And I see everybody down below and you guys. Just remember, there's a couple more spots Um there's a couple more spots uh, available on, um, what do you call it, on StreamYard right now. So if you want to come in, come on in. Um, I did want to talk a little bit about um, the young lady who decided to withdraw from the um, tennis tournament. Uh, but we can do that another time. Let's talk to my dad. Hi, Josh. Can you hear me? I can't hear you. Hold on one second. Don't don't everybody else go anywhere. All right. What about now? Well, I can hear you fine. Oh, I hold on. Don't don't go anywhere. Don't go anywhere. I know I can't hear you. This is horrible. Bam! Try it now. Can you hear me now? I can hear you now. Son of a biscuit. Well, Dad, I, I don't think it's a shock to anybody that I can't figure out the technology. Not a shock to me. Not only can I not, fi 
Now, let me ask you something, by the way. When did you start becoming handy? Because this is something I think I want to get into. But I, I, I don't remember you always being the best at it. But I think I remember that you just kept practicing to where, like, I'll call every now and then. And, and mom will be like, yeah, dad's put, your dad's making shelves or some shit. And I'm like, what? So, but, but like, I, I know you didn't learn that at home with Nana and Papa, which is your parents. I know Nana and Papa didn't teach you how to be handy. So where did you, cause I seem to remember it's starting in Amherst where you started to accumulate maybe some tools and you just started doing shit. Is that around when you started to become handy? No. In Newton. In Newton. Mostly because um, there were a lot of us in that house and we couldn't afford to get a, a carpenter. Um, I wasn't doing any electricity. Right, that's smart. I, I, wasn't, I, I wasn't insured for electricity. And if I screwed up carpentry, just throw the wood out and start again. Yeah, I always like with guys that I know who are like, I'm going to try to fix it. If it's something like wood or I'm like, yeah, you should, you should. But when they're like, I'm going to fiddle around with the lights. I'm like, don't, don't do that. Don't fiddle with the lights. dude. You don't, you don't have any, I don't be fiddling with lights. Good. Yeah. Um, right. Oh, there we that. go. Um, I would deal with individual electrical appliances. Yeah. But not with, the wiring let me ask you dad hey, hey from australia uh let me ask you something what is maybe the the most gruesome injury you have gotten from being a fixer-upper or building anything nothing very gruesome could have been um i missed with an electric drill um came about a half a foot from my groin, just hit my leg. That was fine. You drilled a hole in your leg. I, I cut my leg. With a drill? Yeah. But by the time I got to my leg, I had figured it out and was no longer making it drill. Around, drill. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was, that was not good. No, drilling a hole in your leg is generally not good frowned upon in right. the diy world yeah yeah that's not now i also remember is mom there right now no she'll be back do you remember when we were all scared of that possum and you walked in and popped it on the head with a shovel and just shoveled it out the door <laughs> i didn't pop it on the head oh you and, didn't no and besides i sort of we, I guess Mo and I felt bad about the possum. I came back from a meeting around nine o'clock at night. We were all cowering in the living room. The doors were closed and you were in the living room, all five of you. And what we had done is we, in order to make sure no more dead animals died from the insulation that was underneath the porch. So, so animals were dying underneath the house. In the winter, they would get in there, um, breathe in that stuff, um, and die. We'd have to pull them out. 
Um, so one day we, somebody else came and sunk some heavy duty chicken wire. Uh, and that's happened to be where the possum was sleeping. And uh, you guys discovered the possum, you know, one floor above was his usual bedroom. Yeah. You, um, at that point, I think life stopped in the house and you all went in the living room. Oh, there was none of us were taking on the possum. Well, when I got home, um, there are snow shovels in every New England garage. I went and got a snow shovel, shoveled them. I didn't whack him over the head. He wasn't happy. But I shoveled them up and shoveled them out. Mm -hmm. I, you, you know, we, you know, the conversation for every one of us who walked into the living room one at a time was, did you see that possum in the dining room? Go get, I'm not touching the possum. Every single with just wait till daddy get home. Dad will take care of the possum. And like you, you very calmly just ran out the door. Well, you also, didn't you catch a skunk? Oh God. Yeah. We were aiming for the gopher. It was because we, we had a gopher in the backyard that was eating mom's garden, right? Ate it all. Ate the garden. So you, you put a trap out and the gopher was like, Hey, Mr. Skunk. Yeah. Why don't you check out with over there that thing? How did you get rid of that? Didn't didn't you have to throw a towel over it, or what happened with that? You throw a towel over the cage. Skunk doesn't see what's happening. Shuts down. Um, That's the theory, right? Well, I'm still sticking by the theory. (laughs) Nothing happened. Um, And I didn't put the skunk right in the car. I was checking the theory out. Yeah, I wouldn't put it in the car right away either. You, now, let me ask you if this is folklore, Wolf Family folklore, or actually happened. So we had a gopher, guys, that was that was eating up the garden. And we did everything we could to try to get rid of the gopher. And then we had a friend come over with a rifle and a six-pack. And, and not a six-pack, just a rifle. Okay. He shot the gopher. However, we find out later, did not shoot the gopher dead. Because didn't mom see a gopher with a limp like two two weeks later, like three weeks later? Isn't that what, isn't that the, fo- the can I tell you what the wolf folklore is? Do you want to hear it? That's part of the folklore. The folklore is that there was a gopher with a limp that followed mom home from work. That's the, fo- that's, that's what's being told behind closed doors. Well, that's your story. You can stick to it. Can you tell me what the real deal is? The real deal is we found blood to know that the gopher was injured. Yeah. But we never found the dead gopher. And there was no more eating of mom's garden after that. No, no, not a gopher with a limp. Are you sure that mom never saw a gopher with a limp? I think if you asked her, she might say, I saw a gopher with a limp. No. No. <laughs> yeah. Are you are you sure? I and think we got to find, we got to ask a couple more people about the gopher, the well, limping gopher. You don't ask your brothers. They are all on board for that's the limping gopher. That's right. I wouldn't, I wouldn't depend upon their judgment on this. Okay. Well, w- when mom comes back, we'll ask mom. Mom okay. will know, will tell me about the limping gopher. I really think, I really think that, um, 
our story is we found some blood mm -hmm. close by where we knew the gopher lived. But we never saw the gopher again. So maybe he crawled in the hole. And, and pulled died. it in by, behind him. Yeah. Yeah, we couldn't find the body. And we couldn't smell the body either. And we had vegetables. Now, Dad, when we moved to the... I'm, I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions of things that I kind of remember. When we moved to the White House... That's by the way, guys. That's what we called it. The White House was the house after Townhouse. That, that we were there for a year, I think, right? Something like that. We rented it. Rented it for you. And didn't they have a bird? <laughs> oh yeah. And 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 didn't that bird die like two days before they were supposed to get back? Like, didn't we keep didn't we keep it alive for the whole year, and then it died like two days before they were supposed to come back or something crazy like that? I don't know what this we is. Well, anyway, the, the bird the bird belonged to a really lovely little girl. Yeah, and that was their only concern. I can't, you know, that we we would take care of the house. But about a week before the family returned from Europe, the bird died, and Mum had it autopsied to make sure that it wasn't our fault. That's right. <laughs> you, have, you, you know have, that vet was like, say it again? You want me to do what? Cause a death for the bird? Yeah. Okay. We were overjoyed to find out that the bird developed um, intestinal cancer. You, you, you know, it's funny, I mean, we, so low key, you can tell me. It's just me and you. Which one of us four did she suspect might have done something? Because if you test it, you're testing it because you're making sure that one of us. It's like testing the goat. You know what I mean? We're not saying anything happened. We just want to make sure nothing happened. So, was there? Were you like, why get the autopsy? To make sure. We there was there were no there was wasn't any finger pointing. Um, we just want to make sure that. So when they came back, natural causes. When they came back, you could be like natural causes. That's right. Right. Okay. Did was there ever any thought of just replacing the bird with a bird that looks just like it? <laughs> None. That I think what that I would have done would have last that bird would have been found out by that kid in about 10 seconds. You think so? After a year? Yep. No iPhones, no FaceTime. It's just memory of what the bird looks like. Yeah, Was it cool. one of those little budgie birds? One of those little budgie birds. Uh, by the way. We were very good to it. We fed it what it should have been fed, according to the girl. We cleaned the cage, according to the girl. Um, and, and by the way, you know... I, I mean, I've never been down with birds. Like I don't understand having a bird for a pet. There's not, there's nothing interesting about a bird. It just makes noises all the time. It'll peck you. I think pets. That's why I don't understand having fish for pets or a snake or a lizard. Like to me, the best part about a pet is the unconditional love, not the I don't give a fuck about you stare. 
Like, do you know what I mean? Like that. We don't even, with birds, you don't even get a stare. No, no. And you know what I've started to think? I think birds are dumb, but I also think, I also think they're a little uh, aloof. I think they look at us walking and they're like, peasants, you can't fly? <laughs> like, we've been walking. We can do that too, but watch this. And that's why I think they're assholes to us. I think they poop on us because they're like, we fly, you walk, we're better than you. Like, it's just one man's theory. I got shit on the other day, which is why I wanted a theory for it. Well, the theory is it's a perfect eating machine. Input, throughput, poop put. Yeah, it's pretty good. Pretty much no control over it. That's pretty good. Now, I I have a couple more questions for you um, that, that, uh, that, I okay, so maybe my favorite thing to do, and the thing that I miss the most about having kids, is the sporting events, is the sitting in the stands or coaching or either one, either one. I, I truly just love doing that, and I always thought, you know, if I wasn't doing stand up, if I my dream job would just be a coach. I would love to coach a baseball team. Right, your friend I, who's managing maybe my friend, your job. He manages the pirates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty amazing. But like, what is it? What is it you think? And you love teaching, and when you also loved coaching, which is teaching. What is it about the coaching and the teaching that you that draws you to it so much? Like, what what is it you love? so much about teaching first Stephen Jay there's a question from Stephen Jay can I answer that of course you can so Stephen Jay um, the, the, well, the, uh, tell me what the question is oh who rents out a house but leaves the pet bird um, she couldn't take it overseas Wherever they, wherever they were going, wouldn't take the bird. Got yeah. it. Okay. Um, what is it about teaching? Yeah. Um, uh, I am fascinated by people, how they learn, how they change, decisions they make, what information they make decisions about. And um, it's, uh, if I can be part of a person's growth athletically or personally, um, not to be like me, but to be more like themselves, that's what's exciting to me. I, I find that, you know, for me, that's interesting that you say that. Um, the thing that I like the most about coaching and I guess teaching also, you know, when people ask me about comp take, if they should take comedy class, my answer is always the same, which is it really depends on your teacher. If your teacher thinks there's one way to write jokes and that's their way, you're in the wrong class. But if your teacher is good at finding what you do well, then it's a good class. And so 
for me, that was always super exciting too, is finding out what people do well and building their confidence around that. You know, when I coached baseball, that's what I would do. I, especially the kids who weren't very good. I was like, look, this is overwhelming. I'm not going to teach them to run, hit, throw, and catch. What do they do best? That's what they're going to do every day. They're not going to play professional baseball. They're not going to play high school baseball. But if I can get them one or two personal wins, and that is whether it's hitting or catching, because I just, that's the one thing they do best. And instead of being a two at everything, if I can get them to be a six at one thing where they have confidence doing that, that confidence has a way of permeating out into other areas. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And so that is what, for me, it was always fun to find what people did well and to go, okay, so instead of doing these five things, meh, go do that one thing really well. And that, that right there for me was always my, my kind of wheelhouse as far as coaching or teaching. Hey buddy. And, but, and the thing that I liked the most was finding that, finding that and and seeing confidence in people who hadn't had it before. All of that to me is really super rewarding, like really, really rewarding. Yeah. I think, um, and the, you know, I think I said this to um, podcasts before, and that is listening Okay, listening, watching, observing the person. Yeah. Not, this is me, and if you were only more like me, you'd be better. Yeah. You know, you know the best teacher of tennis I ever saw, um, I had a chance to observe. He was in the graduate program. He was number one at UMass when he was an undergraduate. He said, uh, studying psychology, the best. Um, he had a passion for what he did. He was enthusiastic. And the lessons with Adam were so much different than the lessons with mom. I'm saying to myself, oh, my goodness. This is a real person who understands yeah. how people learn and are honestly interested in their understanding, like you're talking about, about being better. And as you say, that willingness to look at who you are and work towards something, um, success breeds success. When did you realize that you can't parent every kid the same way? that not everybody gets the same rules that I think that's a huge thing for people. Like for me, all three kids were parented differently because for example, Jacob, if I yelled at Jacob, that was it. He, that's, that was the punishment being disappointed would just crushed him. Be, if you were disappointed in him, it would just wrecked him. You could Trevor, you can scream at him all you want. And if you were just screaming at him, he'd be like, is this it? I'm going to go do it again. This is the punishment? 
Scream? <laughs> cool. Yes. Yeah, I don't got a problem with Scream being screamed at. You know what I mean? And Kate, you know, and Kate obviously was a little smarter than both of them. And there was a lot more negotiating with her. She was, she, like, she had her notebook out ready. She had some counterpoints, like, you know. So with Kate, you had to be prepared with some reasons. And they better be good ones. Because if she was like, well, it doesn't make sense to me. Then if it didn't make sense to her, she was not having it. Do you know? So I produced silence twice with the same sentence. Once was a room full of you guys. And another was a room full of teachers. Um, and there was some complaining going on in both places about different things. And I simply said, listen, being fair does not necessarily mean being equal. Yeah, it's not the same thing. And that produced silence on your part and silence from the entire faculty of the middle school who were bitching about something that uh, the elementary school teachers seemed to be getting and they were not. Um, yeah, you know, one of my, one of my favorite say, sayings, Dad, is just because you're not included doesn't mean you're being excluded. Exactly. These are all true. These are all true. You know, but that's all about, I think the one thing I've learned so much of um, since I've been here, and I don't think it's necessarily being a Nashville. I just think it's maybe combination of age and life and so much of my life has been decisions have been predicated on other people you know look at our grading system that we use it's a what i would call normative system where everybody gets ranked according to everybody else and they don't get ranked according to themselves um, this is what I've learned. This is what I haven't learned. You, you mean as far as ranked, as far as their growth? And their growth and their grades. Those grades, A, B, C, D, E, they don't tell you anything. I, I don't know. Um, do, do you think, do you think, Dad, do you think that there is, I'm sorry for interrupting, do you think now that there is more of a premium on getting the kids to test well as opposed to getting them to learn what they're supposed to learn? Well, when you tell teachers that their reputation is going to be based upon multiple choice tests, you deserve what you get. They teach to the test. Um, they don't understand the underlying concepts of anything. Um, you mean the student? Students, yeah. Right. Um, that's, for me, bizarre, always has been. Um, you know, I'll tell you and the people who are listening a story I love to tell. You got somebody, by the way, Dad. Dave yeah. says he teaches the fair versus equal concept week one of school. It's an important thing to understand even at a young age. Absolutely. Um, and Dave... Um, the way in what, which you would teach that, depending upon the age of the kids, um, you who, it, teaching that is very important. Um, 
modeling that, giving the kids an example of what that means in a person is perhaps even more important. Um, uh-huh. Interesting. Because um, Dave and anybody else who's listening, one of the things that's the job of kids to do is to try on different personalities for size. Yeah. When I grow up, do I want to be like him or her? Uh, when I grow up, um, do I want to care about the same thing that my teacher cares about? Um, so that the first thing you have to do as a teacher or anybody is not be afraid to be who you are. That is something, though, you know, for somebody who is and has always been both you and mom, very true to who you are. You guys have always been true to who you are. You guys have never worried about what the popular thing or what other people, never, never, never. And um, I wonder why... uh, he rolled in duck shit today. He's been in two baths. He just smells. Dude, you got to get out of here. Hey, come on. You're wet and you smell like wet dog shit. Wet duck shit. No, 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 no. I don't I don't want anything to do with you. Come on, dude. Get out of here. Oh, my God. He smells so bad. Um, that's, what they, that's what they do, Josh. Don't have a dog if you don't want to smell like that. Why? But why? He's got rolling duck shit. Yeah, I guess. I guess is right. So, but I wondered this recently for two people, you two especially, who I watched truly be the best models of this is who we are and it it doesn't, what everybody else is saying or doing doesn't affect us. I wonder why I struggled for so long to do that myself. Well, it, was one of the, it was and is one of the things that I always admired the most about both of you. You know, I remember I didn't know it was weird for my mom to be smoking that big, thick cigar until my friends were like, your mom smokes cigars, dude. I'm like, so? And did, like, you, did you tell everybody who's listening how you got us to stop? So just so you know, my, my mom and dad used to smoke these big, thick Cheap. Al Capone cigars. Cheap. Cheap. Al Capone, big in the living room, reading books, feet up, both just big ass cigars. And I didn't know it was a big deal until my friends were like, I said something to one of my friends, I forget which one. And the guy, he was like, Hey, your mom smokes cigars, dude. I'm like, So, and they were like, So, what do you mean, so? Why is your mom smoking that big fucking cigar? And I was like, Is that weird? And they're like, Yeah, it's real weird. And as soon as I heard that, I'm like, Well, this has to stop tonight. What I forget, what did I say? What did I say? You came home and told us that in your health class, which you probably took two years before, um, it came out that second hand smoke was really bad for young lungs. And 30 seconds after you said that, mom had thrown every cigar in the house out. I was that she made it our problem. I thought it was your problem, but didn't make much difference. Yeah, but what? Yeah, it didn't matter what we thought, either one of us. Yeah. <laughs> you know what's funny is that 
I do remember that. You know what else? I remember two things distinctly. One, I remember mom getting that saxophone. And we were all like, oh, no. Oh, and she... <laughs> she... <laughs> She started really? practicing that one day and it was all like we all had a meeting like this can't last. We can't we can't let this happen. We have a wounded duck in our house. Oh, it was just a little too much for I how 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 many practice sessions did she have? I think we lasted about a week. <laughs> it was uh and what was the conversation? What was, was it just like, hey, we can't. This is not something that's acceptable for any of us. Well, I don't remember the discussion. I just remember thinking that I had heard that once before after a duck got shot. Um, and um, so I don't know. I, Guys, it, my mom brought a saxophone home. She was like, I'm going to learn how to play saxophone. And she tried it maybe a couple times. And we were like, this sounds terrible. We have to stop this from happening ever again. Yeah, but so you I, know what? <laughs> <laughs> if, we, if we had given it a couple of months, maybe who had a couple of months? Well, if we put a tent outside the house, and something went, like that, or if she could have gone into a soundproof room or something. Oh. By the way, a soundproof room in that house would have been great. I would have just gone and sat in it for a while. Um, and the other one I remember that did not go over too well was the very first time she got that tight perm with those tight curls and she walked in the house and I was like, Oh no, I think I started to cry. I don't remember that. I must have repressed it. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I don't remember that at all. You don't remember when she came home with the tight perm. I think I started to cry. I think it was the combination of, it was just so different, you know, and it was like the tight woo woo, like a, like like a seventies rock star, like from the group Boston, like the just the, yeah, it was, yeah, 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 it was. I think you have to ask mom. Is she there? Yeah, mom. Um, let me ask you something. Hold on, let me just ask this first. Deb, Deborah wants to know. I have a question. When there was time for you, your father, please. Were you always supportive of Josh being a comedian and following his own path in life? Well, I can answer that, but well, you, you everybody's waiting. For, okay, mom. Everybody's waiting for the for the perm bit. Mom, no. I'm trying to remember what happened. You came home with your perm. Did I start to cry? <laughs> Was this in Amherst? Yeah. I don't remember that I had a permanent. You came home with a perm once, and I was—I think a bunch of us were like, "Because Dad and I just talked about the saxophone," which was you—you oh. <laughs> you get railroaded out of that saxophone. You, about a week. you tormented me. <laughs> but well, but they all felt the same way. But do you don't remember about the perm? No, but I remember when Nana decided I needed makeup. Yeah. And you guys all waited in the car, and she wanted to surprise you. And she told me that you in particular asked, wanted to give me that as a gift, which I could hardly believe. And so we came out, and I looked in, and I said, well, this is how it looks. And you said, what did you do with your face? 
Because I don't remember you wearing makeup growing up. I never did. Nina always felt um, that I, she always felt she did something wrong. That she did something wrong because I grew up and loved somebody who never put anything on her face except my face. That's hilarious. That's super. She can never, never quite figure that out. No. No. Well, Nana was somebody who liked to get her hair done and do all the. Nana never washed her own hair in her life. Nana never washed her own hair. Washed her own hair? Never. She had everything done always from the beginning. You know, this is funny. They said my older brother and sister had perms in every one of their senior picks. Yeah, I guess it was fancy. Yeah, I think I remember it. I, I remember the. I think I remember the smell more than anything. It was oh, a different kind awesome. of smell. Remember when we went cross country before we had children? We took a long ride back and forth for an entire summer. I got a perm, so I would, I don't know, so it would be curly for the whole summer. I came home, and Dad took my hand, brought me back to the guy who did it, and he said, "Take it all out." <laughs> Yeah, we're not we're not driving around like that. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> I, it's funny, you know. Um, I I've always wanted to try dyeing my hair, but the one I would say the one thing about all of us, all four of us. We've never done any crazy hair stuff. None of us ever did a mohawk or like a buzzed head or top. No. Dye in the hair. None of that. <laughs> now, when I when I was in high school, I is there you know if you ask Danny and Adam and Jonathan, they would say that I, I had less rules in high school. <laughs> I think you just broke more of them. Yeah. They, but their thing was, and I, listen, I told them, I said, I don't know if that's true, but as somebody who's got three kids, I can tell you by the third kid, you're not paying as close of attention. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you love them all the same, but you're like, what are you doing? I didn't even know you were gone out of the house. Do you know what I mean? Like, so... Did you find that to be true at all? We didn't notice that. Oh, I think they were just looking for something to pick you, pick on you. I, I, or, you know, everybody looks at the green grass on the other side of the fence. Yeah, um, maybe not as green. Um, we're gonna get back to that, just that question. question about support. Yeah. Um, so I don't know the name. Okay. But right from the beginning, um, when you came home and told mom that you wanted to go to the Iron Horse. When he called me. Oh, called you at work. Um, you know, we, I came home. Um, I don't think I got much to eat. The three of us got back in the car and drove over to the Iron Horse. Yeah. Um, and uh, we've been supportive. The, Ever since. Um, yeah. 
Do you know, the, the only time, go ahead, mom. Well, I just want to say that just shows the measure of confidence and respect that we had in you before the Iron Horse. Well, I, you, but you guys always supported um, the choices we made mm -hmm. um, because it kind of goes back to dad, what we were saying earlier, which is just because it isn't a choice that you would make as a parent doesn't mean it's not the right choice for that child. Do you know what I mean? I, so I, I mean, obviously I think you have to support the, and the only conversation if for those of you listening that I ever had with either one of you, where you ever even said, just think about the choices you're making was with dad at the luxury apartments. So guys, the luxury apartments were <laughs> anything but <laughs> yeah, we, we call them the luxury apartments because it's always so funny places that are called like the estates. It's like, you know, it's the worst place ever. This was called the Vista Lux luxury apartments. And um, it was, you know, I had, I was living in one room with three kids and John and my brother, Jonathan was living in the other room and, and it was not, where was, where was Bud living? Anywhere and there was a St. Bernard living there, too, right? I think it. So, but you, this was soon after Malia and I, my ex had split up and you came over and by the way, guys, if you have questions um, down below or in the chat, you can ask. Raise your hands down below, and I'll call on you or in the chat. Just ask them, and I will, I'll make sure I get to them. Um, Sean, good to see you down below, dude, out in the stream yard. But you came over, and you said, um, and I'm going to paraphrase it, but you basically said, hey, we support you. We know this is what you want to do, but you now are – by yourself in charge of three kids. And so I'm not saying, and we're not saying don't chase after your dream, but when does your dream become a little selfish? Because you have to take it. You now have to, this is the life you see where you are now. This is where you're going to be. Do you know what I mean? Like, unless you can lift yourself out of there and this career basically is going to take a lot of work. Are you going to be able to do that with them here? Is there a time? Are you going to set a time period for yourself basically to go, okay, I didn't do it. Now I have to raise my family. And that was the only time. And it wasn't them not being supportive. It was to me what good parents should do, which is, Hey, we still support you, but just know like we don't support you in a vacuum without having other opinions of what's going on in your life. And so it was, uh, I, it was a good conversation and one that I had to think about because I couldn't sit in one room with three kids forever. Like I had to, at some point in my brain, <laughs> I mean, give myself a, an ending point if this dream or whatever, wasn't gonna make it, you know? So, but yeah, it was, it was honest and true and something that I had honestly been taught, I think thinking to myself too, like how long do I, am I going to give myself to do this? So at some point you have to tell people about your cottage industry, your PB and J cottage industry. Well, 
Um, I think why it had to stop. And it got closed <laughs> down by the Board of Health. Yeah. So I, I um no, we did not have the sex talk in my house. But I didn't really have the sex talk. I kind of did. My sex talk with my kids weren't about how to. It was just like, hey, don't get anyone pregnant. That was, that was it. That's the sex talk. Sex education. I yeah. think it was something like don't bring home any unwanted children. Yeah. Yes. Period. Yeah. Um, Melissa's interesting question. I did not smoke weed. I I tried it in high school, but I wouldn't say I smoked weed in high school. So I don't know if it really came up in high school. Uh, although I did leave a bag of weed in the back of the Honda Accord once when you dropped me <laughs> off at John Sutton's house, which was a problem. Um, I... <laughs> <laughs> Another, another one of you come the, up with these things 30 years later that are so funny to you us. were supposed to bring you were supposed to bring the refreshments is that what you're telling us yeah i was it, they fell out of my pair the bag of weed fell out of my parachute pants you know i had that i had a nice little period of time where i was wearing parachute pants right. and i forgot to zip up the side you know where the weed was and it fell out in the back of the accord uh which and, and john this is so funny John goes, uh, just call him, tell him to come back over. I'm like, and say what? I left my weed in the back of the car. Can you swing back by so I can pick it up? Like, and he's like, no, just tell him you left your money in the back seat. And he was like, I was like, you don't think my parents are going to look in the back seat for whatever I left there so they can hand it to me? Like, what, what are we talking about right now? Yeah, it wasn't not the best, like best plans, but we were high school kids. So we're dumb, you know? Um, but the peanut butter and jelly sandwich guys, oh, uh, they want to know, Shannon wants to know how long you guys been married. 61 in about a week. Yeah. Week. 10 days, 12 days, whatever. Yeah. The, I mean, the 19th. You can ballpark it. After 61 years, you can ballpark it. <laughs> 61. It's pretty amazing. What was your wedding song? Do you know the song you danced to? No. Oh, it must have been My Funny Valentine. Yeah. We had a song. It was called My Funny Valentine. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a pretty... Uh, I think I know that song. Um, okay. And when you guys... Well, we don't got, really remember. You don't... Do you remember what you danced? What, what, how you danced? Did you remember the dance you did? Or I learned how to play the piano again so I could play it for her. On Valentine's Day, remember that? No, we didn't oh, have a piano. It was in it was in um, at college. No but, kidding. Yeah, that was nice of them. <laughs> My only romantic thing. And you actually did something I romantic. I did something right, and she can't remember. <laughs> That's poetic justice for all the times when I chose not to do something. I what I do like, Mom, is I like even though you don't remember it. You do like the idea that even though you remember it, there was effort involved. Uh, sure. Yeah. I mean, you were like, that's nice that you did that, even though I don't remember. I like that. Oh. <laughs> were you guys like when we were in Amherst and I was in high school, 
it's so funny. I think back about like how what Beth and I were, and I remember mom used to tell me that. So you actually in high school, you, you know, you guys never, one of the things that the, my three older brothers, they got on me, you guys never actually gave me a curfew. Do you remember what you said to me? Don't, you basically said, don't abuse our trust. Just come home at, really? an, okay, at an okay time. Really? I did not have it, but because you did that, I never, I was not a guy who I was like, Hey guys, I just got to roll. But you were okay with me coming home at 12 or usually one in between 12 and one is when I came home. And, but I remember you telling me, mom, that I don't truly sleep until you guys get home. That's how I know when you come home. I did not believe that until I had kids. I was like, what do you mean? You're not asleep. You're kind of asleep. He's asleep. Not as- he was asleep, <laughs> but you're not asleep asleep. He was the warrior in chief. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But but even in Amherst, what was the biggest worry, Mom? It was a pretty safe town. What what would what would what would, what were you worrying oh, about? Just oh, think that, about- you, that you think about the university. It was rife, and I because I worked there, I knew a lot of what went on. Anyway, it was some really outrageous actions by the students with each other, about each other, whatever, and it spilled over. And the Amherst police and the Amherst firemen were usually the ones that cleaned up the mess because yeah. it spilled over. And a lot of kids lived out off campus. And it was a very big campus in terms of numbers of students. So it wasn't you I was worrying about. It was their driving. There was a lot of drinking, a ton of drinking. There's a lot of drugs. I mean, this is the, what, the 70s and 80s? Yeah. You know, there, you know what strikes something? You know how it's weird that some things, um, you remember some things and that they stick with you for reasons. There was, there's a story when I was probably 14, I was walking home with Zeb Volpe and, uh, we did a lot of walking in Amherst guys and the, the bus, the public transportation was free. Like it, it, it was an amazing place for, and there was a little period there where Zeb and I wore trench coats. <laughs> uh, we had a little trench coat period and um and um and we also w- had a period where we were we liked scaring people we would sc- we scared people in amherst and i don't know if you know this but we would hide on campus and scare people and run away and but one time um because both of us had been scared by other people who lived in our houses so we were like we're gonna scare people you know so um, it's, this is so interesting to me. This, this stuck with me as a 14 year old. It changed my behavior to this day. Uh, so we, we were walking back from center of town to our house and we were just scaring people, scaring people. And there was, a and men and women, we, we, we weren't trying to, you know, bully or intimidate in that way. We were just, if we saw somebody really good, scare them. Right. And so there was this one woman that we were scaring. She happened to be on our path a bunch. We scared her a bunch. And, um, a college dude walked up to both of us 
and he stopped us. He goes, I'm going to stop you right here. He said, you're young, so I'm not going to punch you. I'm going to tell you something right now. You need to stop scaring that woman. He, and he broke it down. He was like, I know it's fun for you, but you're actually pet, scaring her. You know, he was like, and explained to me, he was like, you know, girls like that walk home. They're scared of this and this and this. This is not what you're thinking about. This is what she's thinking about. And he was like, basically, get, basically get your shit together and punch up. Don't punch down. Don't you two guys go scare this young, small girl. You want to, you want to start throwing punches, punch up. And, um, wow, that's great. Two things I took from that, from that moment mm -hmm. one, and he didn't say punch up, but he basically was, yeah. I took punch up from there because punch up. I, I hate seeing people punch down. Like if you can make, you can make fun of people or whatever that, but the other thing that he did, which was so impressive, he didn't know us. He didn't know that young lady, but he knew that somebody needed to say something to us and he did. And that also really struck me as, yeah, when, when you see something like that and you live on this planet too, say something. And like, um, it's so crazy where you learn lessons and at what age and the ones that stick with you, you know, but that young college student who at the time to us seemed like an old man, you know what I mean? I'm like, look at this old dude, 22. What, the, what does he know? You know, but he knew more than us, but this, this, it, I mean, integrity isn't something that I thought of at 14. But just this this guy was so impressive to me. Those two things kind of stuck with me. That, thank God. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, those are two good lessons. Those are two good ones to learn from a complete stranger like that. Uh -huh. It was pretty amazing. But I find that when, I, when I'm nostalgic and think about Amherst and where we grew up, I find, and I could be thinking about this completely wrong, there did feel like people were concerned, had a real concern with the community there. Is that not right? Oh, definitely. All New England towns depend on volunteers. You think they depend on the government they hired, but they don't. They depend completely on volunteers. They're like, in the little town in Maine that we lived, there were 30 committees to tend to all the things that the professionals didn't have time for. It just didn't and depended on us. And it was the same in Amherst. Yeah. Um, exactly the same kind of thing. They depended on people coming in and saying, what do you need done? Or this is what I like to do or whatever it is in every town in New England. Not, I don't know about the cities, but the towns for sure. It's, incidentally, yeah. historical. It started oh, from yeah. the kind of folks that came over and landed in this in New England. But so so tell me like why do you think that because it seems super effective, right? You know, I always say that like if I'm going to develop a show, my theory is let's get the executives involved right now. Because the more involved you are, the more you care. Mm -hmm. Get get people pregnant with an idea, get people pregnant with a thought. So then it's our baby. You know what I mean? Sure. And so it seems to me that that is a smart way, especially for local governing. Why do you think 
that excuse me isn't as effective anymore what 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 like it just feels like do you feel like the idea of what's best excuse me for the community has taken a backseat for what's best for me not me personally but <laughs> there's a lot of that going around and the other thing you have to remember is um we are we meaning the world is so much bigger so much faster um so much a chance to be different without bothering to stop to recognize differences yeah it, it's um you know we don't have a rowboat anymore we got a battleship yeah and turning the battleship not like turning the rowboat i've never heard that saying before well neither did he just yes. <laughs> <laughs> he's good at that you've noticed that that's what happens when you have a poet for a father. Hey, incidentally, yeah. Um, Sean, if you're still here, that picture is a um, old baseball picture. Uh, bought it at Cooperstown Hall of Fame. Um, I believe it is uh, one of the uh, from a picture uh, of the old Red Sox. The guy who's dressed with a tie on um, is the manager. Ed Barrows, and the second guy in from the left, I believe, is Babe Ruth. Oh, that's. But it's an abstract. But, it, but, but it's a you know it's a drawing, or a lithograph, um, but um, that's that's who those guys are. That's a you know, uh, five five players and the manager. Um, hey, you guys. Now I'm jumping a little bit, but you guys, do you remember coming and visiting me in college to watch me play baseball and having my baseball coach bench me? <laughs> kind of. Do you we remember that? You. I kept telling him, like, you're going to bench me this weekend? I'm like, my parents are coming down. He was like, that's why I'm benching you. I was like, oh, <laughs> shit. That was your second coach, right? Your, your first coach and you... Um, he had a little more tolerance. He had a little more tolerance than, you know, he gets so mad at me. The first thing he, he hate, they all hated the fact that I had long hair. Um, and um, my first coach was so casually racist. It was like, it's, it was, he, there was one time we were playing a team that had a bunch of uh, black players on the team. And he was like, now listen, guys, uh, this team we're playing next week has a lot of skilled players. And I was like, what? what? And he's like, skilled players, quick twitch. And I was like, what, what are you saying? And so after, and this was when I, it was my first year there. It was after the meeting. I turned to the guy, a guy who was like a junior. I go, what's he talking about? He was like, He's so racist. He was like, he's talking about black players. I'm like, oh. And he was like, but he doesn't think he's being racist. That's the funny. Like, he really thinks he's just being complimentary. I'm like, oh, that's so fucking bananas. You know, quick twitch. What are you saying right now? Um, the, But the that guy benched me. I mean, part of it was 
part of it. But I got benched. Did I? I forget high school. I did not. I remember in high school, took a little bit of love of baseball out of me just because I didn't end up playing the way I wanted to play and how much I thought I'd play. But going down there to play in college was like, it was really that one year where we went to the tournament was just like the field of dreams for me. It was really, I'd always wanted to get on a bus. You know, so much, so much about all these things for me are just about the experience. Like when I think about it, I want to play college baseball Baseball, yeah, I wanted to do that. But you know what else I wanted to do? I wanted to, I wanted to get on the bus. I wanted to do the travel. Um, I, I, this is gonna sound real weird. I loved playing. A real close second was sitting on that bench and talking shit with my friends. <laughs> you know, it's, it, it's so much of it has to do with that's that. So, that's so you. <laughs> so, Josh. Yeah. Um, take what you just said. To the question you asked before mom came in um, about not paying attention to what other people think. Yeah. There's a link there. How, 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 how so? The link is um, being a baseball player, wearing the uniform, doing all the things associated with it. Um, for um, what people are thinking. That to me, there's a link there. Yeah, uh, Mom, what you're talking about is that I, I, you two are such shining examples of not living your life based on what other people think and making decisions based on, and I, for so long, uh, to me, it was such, not the bane of my existence, but it, was something that kept me from doing everything that I've wanted to do. Um, just because I was too worried about what other people were thinking or if it was going to make them happy or if they were going to laugh or anything like that. And so that's what he's referring to. And I had, I had tried to figure out recently why I like, why I had that in spades and I had two examples of people who just never, that was never on the agenda of something you two are going to worry about, which is what other people were thinking. I'm sure we did sometimes. I know I went through high school <clears throat> thinking I should be somebody entirely different than who I was, all based on what I think other people were feeling or thinking about me. But that's an adolescent thing that isn't unusual. Right, but I was 40. <laughs> so Josh oh <laughs> you, what, did you, you think I was talking about high school no, I was talking about like <laughs> Josh you have to know that as much as mom just said what appealed to me and why I wrote her rather than my friend and who you were dating and the woman young girl <laughs> I was dating was that she did she was a person who wasn't constrained by the right way to behave yeah and the right way to look um and so i wrote to her you did yeah i mean so, where do you feel like you two learned that because you both have it 
I don't think my mother thought much about her impression of anybody else. <laughs> anybody else. She was so involved in what she was thinking. Yeah, your your booby did strike me as somebody who was not going to change because somebody else thought she should. No. And Nana, as much as she fit in, yeah, was a truly original yep. thinker. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. And, and both those women weren't afraid of very much. No. <laughs> well, of course, everybody's. Well, they, but they weren't. They, I can just <clears throat> imagine them growing up now um, and, you know, winding up leading someplace, becoming a politician, a lawyer, whatever. Um, they grew up in a different time. Oh, they for were sure. Way it's it's funny, and, though, that they both married such affable, <laughs> you know, like they, they both. <laughs> They needed that. Yeah, they both married guys who were life of the party, like, hey. Oh, gentle. Gentle. Come. Right. And funny. They both married two people who were very, very funny, laughing, great storytellers. Yeah. It's really interesting how they both, that intro, that is a symbol, not uh, obviously, but a similar dynamic, a similar yeah. dynamic. Um, they both had incredibly different backgrounds. Yes. Totally. Yeah. No, the two moms. The two moms. Oh. Yeah. Incredible. Yes. Well, they couldn't have had different, more different they backgrounds. Couldn't have, couldn't have been more different. Yeah. yeah. Um, did you guys, when you guys were having milestones as parents, so for me, the milestones, most of them happen with Jacob just because it's the last time. It's the last graduation. It's the last, last, last. Did you guys feel that too? Is that where the mile for, so for me, Jacob's high school graduation was the hardest just because I was like, oh, we have no more kids in high school. And it is like a life marker. Mm-hmm. You know, did you guys find that? Oh, yeah. You know, you know, the story I'm sure told here is that the first thing mom did when she flew you to, to college, first thing she did, she called me up. She didn't say a word. I said hello, and she burst into tears from San Antonio to Amherst. I couldn't stop crying. I yeah. certainly couldn't explain myself. Yes, you could. But it... And mom, was it because, was it, here you go, Linda. Was it because um, it was like that marker, that watermark? I guess. Yeah, that's. It's as much about the parent as the watermark is for the child. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Well, you know, I, 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 it's, 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 and at what point, at what point do you stop looking at them as kids? Never. There's a part of, there's a part of me. Okay. Um, Mom can speak for herself. 
but there's a part of me that at the same time is exceedingly respectful at what or who all four of you have grown up to be. But there's also part of me that recognizes um, those adult men there. They're always going to be my kids. Yeah. Is that the same thing for you, Mom? Well, what came to mind was something about Danny. Um, <clears throat> when I objected to something one of his girlfriends said or did, or I mean, I really objected because I usually never said anything. And he said, well, you don't have to worry about that. I mean, well, you know, I'm, I'm grown up. I like to take care of it. I said, I understand that, but I don't stop being a mother. And, yeah. I, and I feel you're threatened. You can count on my stepping in. Yeah. You know, to say something to, to you. Something. I'm not going to make an event out of it, but. It, it, it's interesting where you guys, you guys are way better than me, I think, at holding your tongue with some opinions that maybe the kids don't want to hear. I have a harder time holding my they know here's what they know i got your back a thousand percent especially out in public we are a unified front but we walk in the house and close the door you're gonna hear what i think that doesn't mean i don't support you that doesn't mean i don't cut your back but if i think that you're wrong you're gonna hear it and so but you guys that was not something that you guys did here's Here's a possible thing to consider. Who did you have to talk this stuff over with? What do you mean? No. Well, you couldn't talk it over with. Who? You could, in other words, you're doing something. Right. Okay. I can talk it over with mom. Mom can talk it over with me. Who are you going to talk it over with? Right. And Beth now. Okay. Yeah. But. The point being but there was a time. The point being that there was there was no place to dissipate that strong concern. Right. Okay. Um, what well, to yeah. think about how you wanted to say That's it or right. help that kind of thing. Did you did you ever feel like okay, I'm gonna ask you something. You may not know the answer to it. I'm gonna ask you anyways. And then I got I gotta drive to Huntsville, so I gotta go pretty soon. Is there anything you were like, man, I wish I had said something. I wish I had said something. And, and we, we, we'll use me as the example. Was there ever a point where you're like, man, there, there's one thing I wish I had voiced my opinion about? Or is your just theory, you got to walk your own path, and we're here to support you on that path? Sure. That was it. the basis of a lot, but... You gotta pick. You gotta pick your battles. You yeah. don't want to sound like you're gonna object to this and object to that. And every time they walk in the door, you have something else to say and this and the other thing. You really gotta choose what's important, and you don't want to keep repeating yourself. I always felt I said something once. That's the big thing for me too. I I tell people that a lot, which is, don't be the person that's always correcting them. 
you can't correct everything they do and everything they say, and you can't call them on every lie because then you're just going to be somebody who's always telling them what they do wrong. And nobody wants to hang out with that person. <laughs> nobody wants to hang out with that person. Cause then even if it's justified, look, people could do that to everybody. I could sit down with anybody and always be like, well, I think you should do this better. I don't like this about you. This is, you know, I'm with you. I think picking the battle. But, and incidentally, um, another way of looking at that is um, the person who is always doing that probably can't forgive themselves for the things they don't like about themselves. Whoa. Maybe. Maybe, but I'm, I'm, I'm willing to say that that's something that people who are always finding fault. Yeah. Okay. That's a question they might might help if they ask themselves. That's um, interesting. Yeah. Um, okay, and I'm I'm going to end with this. Okay. Is there any is there anything you've ever wanted to ask me and didn't? Uh, we'll have to talk that over. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to choose. <laughs> Choose? Is there something? Well, no, are there a couple? Are there a couple? Is there one that comes to your mind, Mom? We'll send you about fifty in a week. Is there is there one you can think of off the top of your head that you that you want to know? I, I, I mean, you've intrigued me. I really think we have to talk this Hey Josh, I'm so intrigued now. What what Josh, could it possibly? Are Josh, you? Yeah, you need to hang up now. <laughs> are there so many that you guys are like? We got to whittle this down. Oh, uh, okay. I want to know what the hell she thinks. Talking to you, but you're going to Huntsville. So, bye. bye. <laughs> Wait, don't click off of me yet. Okay, hold on, hold on. Okay. Everybody wants to know, so you better get, you better get, you better get your ducks in a row and come back with a couple questions. So, wow, I th I have to tell you, it's not exactly what I was expecting your answer to be. I know. <laughs> I I didn't think it, your answer to, hey, is there anything you ever want to ask me? Let us confer on that. Let us get together and put we'll the right back. words. We'll get back to you. <laughs> One of these days. Don't call us. <laughs> um. We are on a text chain trying to figure out. We'll probably not all of us come and see you at the same time. But um, me and Beth and Jacob and Caitlin hopefully will be coming up together. I got okay. We're going to talk about this um, and we'll get back in touch with you. Yeah. One such solution is for us to go over to LA and rent a house. Okay. And we can. So that, that's so Jonathan and Charette. Yes. Can participate. Can, can yeah. feel no pressure to participate. Right, right. Because Jonathan's not coming to Reno. No, of course right. not. Right. Of course not. So um, that's that's the idea that I that I okay. would pursue. That would be fine for me too. Uh, we could fly there. If you're going to do that, um, just let me know when so I can get the tickets and come out and see you. Yeah. Well, this okay. is what this is why what you're doing now is a is a good thing 
Um, if you, if the four of you, uh, the seven of you can figure out good dates, um, we are more flexible than, than the seven of you. Okay. So, well, as far as dates go, if you're, if it's going to be LA, Danny and Adam and Jonathan, they don't need dates. They're in town. They're good. Okay. And all you got to do is tell me when, and I'll go. Why, does it, why can't we go to Nashville? Because of Jonathan and Charette. We can no, no, no. We can go to LA and see everybody, and then they don't have to fly anywhere. With Nashville, you don't have to fly to Nashville. We'll fly to we'll yeah. fly to see you unless you want to come here. We would love to have you, but unless you want to come here, it seems like weird to drive fly across country. I'll come to you. Yeah, we. You know, I think LA is the, is the best place. Me too. Okay. Um, all right, guys, I have to drive to Huntsville. Um, I just want you to know that people want to know what's on the list. <laughs> the list of unanswered questions? The list of questions. And Josh says, don't ask questions I don't want the answer to. But now I need to know what the situation is. Um, Somebody said, was Josh the hardest? No. And the answer is no. I, I think I was near the easiest. And part of the theory on that is because I was last and we'll go back to the partial theory of you're not paying as much attention to the fourth one as you were the first. So that makes it inherently easier. You know, <laughs> you, know <laughs> you know what I mean? You're not putting as much time in, which is easier just in general. <laughs> I also think you, we had more money. I was we were a little better off. Things were a little easier. Do you know what I mean? So I think I kind of fell into an easier time for everybody. Yeah. We made sure yeah. you were clothed and had enough to eat. Yep. And a home to come and to. A home. Yep. And I, and I, I have to tell you, I stole so much booze out of your cabinet. Not my booze. Not your booze. The only thing I never took was the rum because I knew dad put it in his eggnog. So I was like, this is the only thing they don't drink. This is the only thing they drink. You put a little bit of everything in that eggnog. Well, you know, in those days, you were supposed to have a liquor cabinet. Yeah. We never had anything before dinner. You know, it wasn't like we, we didn't do that stuff. Yeah. I, I, I think I remember you maybe drinking a beer once or twice. But I, 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 yeah, I, I don't. And, you know, I never had booze in our house. Real The kids, I can tell you this. I bet you, you, the kids can count on one hand the amount of times they saw me drink at the house. Sure. So I would bet. Gosh, yeah. Have you told um, people who are listening and the people who listen about your party at our house? Mm, no, I have not told them about the party. You mean well, when I dropped? Did you tell us thirty years later? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I dropped the keg through your floor and made that little hole. And then I moved the. Can you wash I, the floor with milk? This is so funny. It's so time for you to come we clean. To, we're leaving. We're, you're <laughs> leaving it, but it's time for you to come clean with the people who are, we're reading on the right hand side of the screen. Well, now I will tell you, you're looking at a different chat than I am. You're in the StreamYard chat and I have the Facebook chat, but I will tell you that. There was one time, guys, my mom and dad, they left, maybe you went for 10 days somewhere? Three weeks. Three weeks. Three weeks. And um, I was maybe a senior in high school. Mm -hmm. In the post, in your post-grad year. No, I was senior I in high school. So. 
Yeah. Or senior high school. Yeah. Right. Senior in high school. And um, I had a keg party and I took everything from the house and I locked it in the living room. Everything out of every drawer, everything off of every wall, everything, everything, everything into the living room. And, uh, and then I dropped a keg on the floor in the dining room and it made a hole and a little, like a little, and I moved the dining room table over like a foot and a half. And at, when you're a high and senior in high school, you're like, it's a foot and a half. No, they're never going to know. And it's one of the first things you said, right. When you walked in, you're like, why'd you move the table? And I was like, damn it. But now as an adult, you realize, of course, the grown-up is going to know that the dining room table is. But as a high school senior, you're like, I fucking solved this case. I mean, there's no way they'll ever know that the table's over a foot and a half. I didn't. Mom did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, because mom cleaned. That's it. So I moved everything. Right. Um, well, listen, guys, I gotta. I have to hurry to... Um, Love you, Josh. Reno, I love. I mean, uh, to uh, Huntsville, I love you. On the June on June twentieth, which is Father's Day, Dad, um, I'm shooting my um, special, my album, in uh, Nashville. But I'm going to Facetime you guys, so okay. you can watch it while okay. I do it. Okay. Great. Okay. Yeah. And um, it's gonna be a. It's gonna be a, it's gonna be a fun time. Good. Um, Travis says happy anniversary. Yeah, Dad. Yeah. Shooting it late in the day. Huh? Shooting it late in the day. Two shows, seven and nine thirty. So I'll probably stream the seven o'clock one for you. you can, was asking I'm playing, about this golf game. I'm playing in a golf tournament. That oh. day. <laughs> <laughs> we should know that. So we got to figure that out. <laughs> seven o'clock will be fine, Jim. All right. Yeah. Don't. Hey, listen. I don't want my me recording my special to get in the way of your golf game. And by the way, I know it won't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know it won't. So, um, and I love you guys. And, um, I, um, I, I love doing these with you. Well, these are wonderful for us. Yes. It, 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 these are, um, yeah, these are super good. Uh, all right. And um, send me that list of questions. Mom. <laughs> it's mom's on her own. I, I mean, I, I'm so, I mean, so curious. And uh, a lot of people are. So feel free to hit us with it, any question you want. Okay. Um, all right, and I love you guys. Um, and Jen, we wanted healthy babies, didn't care. Boy Sex girl. was indifferent, just had to be healthy. Although, I asked daddy recently if he could imagine having a little Zoe or a, a girl around. Yeah, what did I say? Thank God, no. <laughs> By the way, dad, yeah, there is, there is a teacher on the stream who said he's been nervous to ask you questions and i am without telling him kind of surprised oh hey there you go oh there hey what's up man hey dude oh, is that your guy is that your little guy yeah we're practicing uh letters i just got this new letter board for him oh nice that. yeah 
Hey, Dave. What, what, and hey. what's he is he he's practicing his letters? Yeah, yeah. He, uh, hey. it's, it's something he does. He goes through his alphabet just constantly. That's fun. Yeah. That's fun, man. Are you not no school today? I mean, it's uh, like. Oh, that's right. You're East Coast. Five in the evening. Yeah. Yeah, you're East Coast. You're East Coast. You're East Coast. Um, so you and you, you're the. You said that you teach the fair versus equal. How do you teach it? So, for some students, when you're when you're working at say a table with them, or you, you go and work one on one at their desk with them, some students think like, oh, like he's he's over there spending all the time with that student. Why is he not with me? And I, I teach them. I say. If we were to do a skill like painting, some of you guys are incredible painters and some of you guys have never picked up a paintbrush. I'm probably gonna end up working with somebody that's never picked up a paintbrush than somebody that can already make a masterpiece. So even though I'm not there with you, walking you through the steps, it doesn't necessarily mean that I'm not supporting you. So that's kind of where we go with the, the fair and equal dis discussion because some kids need more support than others. And it's nice for them to know, it's like, I'm not ignoring you. I'm just making sure that that everyone gets. Did anybody? No, it's <laughs> can't always as the uh, can't always get what you you uh, want, but your kids will always get what they need. For sure, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. All right, Dave. Always good to see you, dude. You too. Congrats on winning that hat the other night. Thanks. I'll send you a message. <laughs> all right. Um. All right, everybody. All right. I, have to go i love you um i will call you uh i'll call you this weekend and we'll set up a time the la is seems like a great idea okay because that way jonathan and Sharette can be there too yeah. absolutely yeah that's important for yeah. okay so let me know and we'll be there and i love you okay yeah. love you Later, guys. Bye. Bye. all right guys uh, I mean, I don't know what to say. It's so good every time. And this, this one was less me peppering them with questions and just, just a conversation that I was having with my parents. It, this one almost felt more voyeuristic than the other ones. It was really just such a casual conversation, just like a phone call that I would have had with them. Um, this has been such a, uh, a crazy opportunity. I feel so lucky to have, to continue to be able to do this with them. If, if you are in a situation with, your parents or you, I, I just want to tell you like these conversations have been so amazing and have, have filled in a lot of gaps for me in my childhood, but also just like, I don't know. Healing isn't the right word, but enriching. It, this, these conversations are so fulfilling. They're so, they're so, even the casual ones are so, they feel so powerful right now for me. So I, I'm going to probably keep doing every other one or every third one with them. Um, 
I don't know. Just until, I don't know. I just feel like I'm, it's not done yet. Yeah. Therapeutic, cathartic, enlightening. All those are words. Um, but like, you know, you go through stages with your parents. Uh, first they're like superheroes, you know, and then we could be teenagers. You're like, I fucking hate them. And then in college, you're like, I don't, you know, you ignore them or you don't call them back or you call when you need something. And, and then there comes a part where you see them as people who live their lives. And, and a lot of the things that you were mad at them about, or you realize that they were just doing the fucking best they could, you know? It changes perspective if if you allow it to. Yeah, there's been a lot of, for me, a lot of quiet forgiveness for myself and for them. You know, for them, for me laying shit on them that they didn't deserve. And for me, just realizing that was what I, that's who I was. That doesn't mean that's who I am. Who you were doesn't isn't necessarily who you are. You can always change that. You don't like who you were? You good thing you get tomorrow. You don't like your situation? Guess what happens? Tomorrow. You don't like who you are or what you're doing? Guess what? Fucking tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? And so for me, a lot of things with my parents that I maybe beat myself up about. Um, so these are very cathartic for me too. And to be able to tell them the things that I've always wanted to tell them um, is so important for me. So, you know, thank you all so much for indulging me in these. These are powerful for me. That's powerful is the right word. They, they are powerful for me. They, this will stay with me. A couple of things from this podcast will stay with me. They will stay with me. So yeah, thank you guys. I mean, it, it feels so um, self-indulgent, you know, but um, this is what we do. So thank you so much. Uh, I appreciate you joining. Uh, tell me something good today. I I'm sorry I didn't bring more people on the screen. I just kind of got lost in talking to them. And I got to go. I got to drive to Huntsville. I got to leave like right now. And I have dog shit, dog shit, duck shit all fucking over me. So thank you, Bradley. Yeah, it's that's why I'm saying, Joshua, if you have the chance, um do it if it's a relationship that you know thank you michelle you know something cat said on thursday night about her dad where he they he's not doing well and he's sick and she's going to see him and he said things to her that she had he had never said you know i want to do that stuff before i want them to know before Ken said, I haven't talked to my dad in about five years. He's just 20 minutes away. Always has been since he left 45 years ago. Saw him deliver birthday Christmas cards to me. Then later my kids, but not much else. 
I know the next notice will be of his death. It really sucked not having a dad or no mind. You're very lucky, Josh. Thank you for the laughs. You know, Ken, I, I don't know your situation, man. I'm so sorry to hear that. Um, and it always. Yeah, I don't know. I, it's hard for me to comment on it. You know, I. He, I'm so sorry. And, and um, I just think it's never too late. And, 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 and not for him. If there's a hole that you have, this is the thing, man. It's not for him. Do you have a hole? Is there something that is still, and maybe not even speaking directly to Ken, because I don't know if, if um, your dad is still alive, but if, if it's a hole that's already been filled and it's not a big deal, it's not a big deal. But I really feel like if there's holes, if you have holes, emotional holes, fill them. Don't not fill it out of spite for that other person. Like, fuck that person. Yeah, fuck that person. But what about you? And is is making amends or reaching out to that person going to help fill your hole? That's what you're doing it for. Not because they deserve or they don't deserve or none of that shit. You deserve. You deserve to be happy. You deserve to be whole. You deserve to live this life the way you want to live it. Is that a hole you need to fill? And fill it. Fill it. And if it be like, if you know reaching, I'm going to reach out to this person who's always been this, this, and this, and this, but I just need to say a couple of things. Or I just want to reach out. Or I just want to tell them, you know what? Whatever the fuck happened. And Ken, this is not directed to you, man. This is just, if it's you have a hole, fill it. Fill it. So you can start living your fucking life, you know? Anyways. Um, yeah, that's funny. That sounds a little dirty now that I know. Yeah, I mean, there we, we all want our holes filled. Yep, now we're starting. <laughs> all right, I should have known. Yep, I'm sorry. Yep, everybody, Michelle is... Michelle um, is basically, make sure you put that on a t-shirt. Um, all right. I got to go, whole fellas. Love you. Later. <laughs>